energize my hyperness. All right. We're on. Hello, hello. Good um, middle of the night to you. Uh, okay. It's morning. You know, middle of the night. It's a different perspective. <laughs> One of us has been up for a while and the other hasn't, so... There we go. I'm a little grumpy. Well, you're the one who hasn't slept yet. You know, sleep tends to be necessary for survival. (laughs) My mindset says that's a crockload of bullshit. (laughs) And your sleep habits say the same. Mm, Yeah. You're just up all night reading and studying and watching and learning. (sighs) I even get to the doing part yet. If you were to ever do a resume with hobbies, you'd be like reading, learning, reading. I could could be a lot more creative than that. I I would dub myself as a master. I would dub myself as a master researcher. There you go. I know how to research shit because I, you know, like I'm not with that in crowd. I'm not with that, you know, high level university in crowd. The thing that really, I I have to do what I have to do. I have to be resourceful. And I know this isn't specifically on the topic that we were kind of thinking of or one of the topics that we thought of, but on that note, because I do think it is pertinent, especially when we talk about spirituality and magic, you do get so much of your research from books. Typically what you'll do is use the internet at large as a backup resource. But you get most of it from books. And the reason I'm saying this is important, actually, I was listening to a podcast recently. Yeah, podcast. uh, You said a podcast. (laughs) Podcast. Pardon me. (laughs) Having a toddler speaking incorrect words does not help me speak words correctly. (laughs) All right, let's try that again. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast since that's what I've been doing when doing laundry dishes anything that is just irking at me so uh ryan holiday made this this point um it was he was being interviewed by joe rogan so i think i think it was him that made the point maybe it was joe rogan anyway and it's something that we ourselves have spoken at length about but books are an invaluable source of knowledge different very different than what the internet has we are in the not like the technological and knowledge age right now thanks to the internet i I don't dispute that it's amazing for a lot of things but the difference with a book is to get a book out there published i mean yes they're self-publishing now but even that somebody had to write the book get it edited and well enough for publishing if you're actually picked up by a publisher like those are you know generally considered quite reputable sources because they have to be correct and you're looking at 
uh, this is what what caught me that I think it was Ryan Holiday was saying that's like 10 years like a nonfiction book for example that's like 10 years of somebody's life working towards this book gaining the knowledge writing the thing getting it edited getting it to the publisher getting all of that like that could be 10 years of somebody's work like granted the more you write the the you know quicker you may get at it and you may have different things on the go at the same time but you know we're talking five to ten years of a person's life not just hey i looked up something and now i'm parroting information books are generally considered that they have to be new novel and genius or a new take on something and as such it's um a little more reputable when it's published in that sense not always because we've come across some pretty <laughs> wonky ones too but when you consider which internet source do you take no 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 go for a book they have to take the time to put the words together in a clear way get it out there it's not just like say tiktok tiktok is bad for this yes it's great for little nuggets but goodness uh, it depends on it depends it on depend. what what stream you're into, because there are there's a really good cross section of TikTokers that I've come across, and TikTok picked up on this a while back, and now they have an established category for learning. So there is a learning TikTok. I like you can know. yeah, they, they they literally make it so that. You have no excuse. If you want to watch just stupid shit all day, you can. But if you want to learn some shit, this is why they extended the the video quality. Sorry, the video, um, the video time to some people have three minutes. Some people have 10 minutes, I believe it is. So like and then there's the live. So you have to actually work your ass off to get, you know, a thousand people and even at that is still not guaranteed that you're going to be able to go live. So they've, they've, you know, to me, I think that they've done a fantastic job of creating those, um, those avenues to support those niche streams or niche streams. Like some of you like to say, like, you know, wh- how we pronounce it, but TikTok does that. So I think that's a really good thing. Um, as far as books are concerned, I know for me, the majority of my experience has been with books simply because of logistics. I didn't always have the internet. And when I did, it was very timed. So I had to be efficient. I had to learn how to be super efficient with my research because I only had so much time with a computer. And then I had to take that information and go and exp- experiment with it. Because again, I don't, I don't run with that, that high level crowd. I'm quite certain that now, if I had the opportunity to, to collaborate with, you know, the educated that I'd still blow their fucking minds with the shit that I've discovered. You know, that's, but that's just me though. You know, it's not, you know, not like people say toot your own horn. That's not what it is. I know that the things that I've personally discovered 
are pretty epic because when I discovered them, you know, more than five, ten years ago, I'm coming up on things like TED Talks and documentaries and scientific video journals that are talking about the same thing. And they talk, they're talking about it not in terms of spirituality. They're talking about it in terms of actual scientific concepts and experiments that have been completed. And a lot of these experiments, they're only talking about it now, but the majority of the experiments that I've come across, let's say on YouTube, they've been done like five, six years ago. And the information is only getting released now. You know, so like I, that's, that's how I base, that's one of the ways I would say that I base my information until I actually physically practice it and have the subjective experience. It's a no-go. So I'll study it until I understand all of the principles because now more than, than when I started, now more than ever than when I started, the propaganda, and like I showed you that one post from, from my acquaintance there today, right? It was a beautiful quote, but so erroneous. It sounded so good. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. When it, the facts of the matter is that it's not true. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, that's, and that has been happening more prevalently over the last 10 years, especially with social media. The propaganda on spiritual information is atrocious. Think, Absolutely atrocious. Um, I think this is one of the good indicate one of the big indications in our podcasts because then we get talking about a thing, and I realize I wasn't seeing a big enough picture. I mean, you started off my mentor. You still have a solid number of years of experience over me, so people get a firsthand observation about how you can think a thing based on your current information and then learn new and expand your basic concept. My initial concept had been to commend you on the fact that you do read a significant number of actual published books. Mm -hmm. Um, And scientific papers. Yes. Uh, You do end up on your computer quite a bit too, watching videos, reading journals, other, um, finding other people who have become experts and such. So you, you didn't raise a great point about the quality of research. TikTok, for example, which I've only just gotten on. You've been on it longer than me. I haven't done much with it. I've got like two attempts at videos. <laughs> uh, but looking at the difference there where you actually know these things. I think the point that I really want to raise is uh, when, like, you were talking about propaganda, so that's why this comes up too. I think there's a really major point to be made about ensuring you are getting the best of the information. I remember years ago you told me this, and I thought it was fascinating how you 
how you went about getting your information. You said like, at one point you like, you know, a library worth three thousand dollars, and that's that's not in today's dollars. That's no, that it. was five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. and this was going on. That was well, back in two thousand. Yeah, so we're talking twenty years ago. Books were indeed a bit cheaper. I remember getting books then at ten, eleven dollars that are now fifteen to sixteen dollars. So mm-hmm. you can consider the sheer quantity of books that you actually had. Uh, and what you had told me was you took these books that you had, you read them, you read them all, and you found, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it. And um, The same information was regurgitated. Exactly. So you found a lot of information that was repetitive, which was fine and dandy, but then you also found nuggets of information that were new and you found people who had the same type of information regurgitated in different ways that actually uh, contraindicated one another, even in books with this. Not and they, always. But and they also contradicted each other. Yes. And so you told me about the, you know, that there was a time where you were very confused, but what you started doing was just making note of what, you know, mental note of what one one book had spoken about. And if you found similar information, you compared them, compared sources and such. And when you found the same books, so you didn't immediately choke down all that information as, um, I want to say like truth in the way, say, a Bible thumper will take the Bible. Rather, yeah. you took it in the sense of this is great information, let me try to apply it. You know, you actually applied it. Some things may or may not have worked. And when you came across more information that went against it, you thought, why could this be? You did research on that. You read other books. And when you found the same information reputably, like reputably coming through over and over, and you tried the thing and it came and it worked or it seemed to fit everything, then you realized, okay, now we're on to something. So a good example of that, so, you know, just to kind of clarify that, like I was never a believer. I still am not a believer. I have never truly believed in any of this at all. And that may sound pretty aggressive for a lot of people to hear. But unless if if you look at all of the, the old philosophical masters, especially the Greeks, you know, like like Plato, for example, right? These guys were not believers. And if you read their works, they you cannot accuse them of being believers. Look at Stoicism. Stoicism is probably the, the critically the worst of the bunch in a good way. You cannot like Stoicism completely. Right. And you know, like if, if you are a practicing Stoicist, I hope that, that that's actually a thing, right? There's nothing on this planet that oh, anybody could actually... It's called a stoic, being a stoic. Yes, right? If, if, if you're practicing... Well, if, if you're practicing stoic, there's nothing on this... Like an actual real practicing stoic. There's nothing on this planet that you will not intelligently question. Because that's what stoicism does in order to ascertain a truth. 
Stoicism does not dispute that there is truth. Like there's, you know, for all intents and purposes, that there isn't divine. There is divine truth. However, there are other things that only appear to be true. So to ascertain if those things that have the appearance of truth are actually true, that's what Stoicism allows for. Mm-hmm. So you you don't just question everything just because you can. Not because you have a hole in your mouth, you mean you make a whole bunch of noise. No, that's not what it is. You ask intelligent questions. And that was one of the very first things that I learned with my experiences. And it is a very realist, um, realistic way of looking, I think is the term you might be looking for to further that. Yeah, well, you have to be. You have to be realistic. If, if the thing isn't, isn't creating a practical sense of use, then there's no point in it. And then and that's where a lot of, of people in our field of study of spirituality get really caught up in. They get caught up in the emotional, you know, bullshit, you know. And I mean, I'm kind of aggravated this evening, but... <laughs> You but know, but, it is true but that, that there is a massive emotional everybody portion just goes, of magic and spirituality. Even even for clients, right? I always have to set the proper expectation for clients. You know, what if it's a card read, you have to understand I'm reading I'm reading the cards in this moment in time on the assumption that if you don't change anything, here's the outcome. And therefore, the card reading is expanded. Let's find out what you are worried about the most about this path you're traveling. Let's find out if you were to make changes, what does that look like? And the cards tell them. So I'm only reading from that perspective. So whereas a lot of people will be like, oh, well, well, that didn't work out. My first question is, the fuck did you change? And this is why I insist on people always having a picture of the read. Or if they want to record the read, hell, please. I do so many more Zoom readings now. With and the, the record option. With the, I, I turn the recorders on the whole time. I don't care if it's four fucking hours for a read. Like you, it, Because at the end of the day... You are going to bullshit yourself. This is a standard operating procedure of everyone, whether they have had a card reading or not. Your mind is set up to sabotage you and you're going to bullshit yourself. And because it's an overwhelming experience, when you have really good readers, it is better to have a recorded Zoom or whatever platform you're using to record that read if it's by a distance because then that client has the backup information the, what they admitted to what they didn't admit to but what the card sussed out like all of that is right there in their face they have to face up to it i think that's important i mean especially if you're getting really professional read i mean you're paying a good dollar for it anyway why not record it so you can go back over the information when you're trying to remember all the bits and pieces well that's muddled up that's another it it it's lower than five in in my stack of 10 reasons but that's exactly why (laughs) i record it too because we're not cheap it's just 
in the reasons is all. It, it's I mean it's a solid point for people. We're not we're not too uh, by any stretch. And that I remember I'm going to tell a bit of a story here. It's my mom's story, mm. and I mean she never really spoke about it much, but then she hasn't delved into her own spirituality as much as what she certainly could have. I think at this point... Well, not in a way that we know. I think she would be okay with me sharing this story at this point in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, So she told me she and her best friend went to a palm reader at... It was at Folk Fest, of all things, when they were younger. Like, uh, I'd say early 20s, if that... Mm -hmm. Maybe late teens, early 20s. Um, And the thing that stood out to her, like she remembers that the palm reader told her a few things. The thing that stood out to her that she has always remembered was he told her, you will have two men in your life and you will be comfortable with both. You will not have a great love, but you will be comfortable with them and it stuck with her i think it's a bit of a pity that she did not know the rest of the information Mm -hmm. for example if she had recorded it that would have been incredible Mm -hmm. because it came true and it was very true Mm -hmm. she was what she was very comfortable with my own father i mean I disagreed that she should have left, you know, I, I told her she should have left him earlier, but that's not for this conversation. Mm-hmm. When she did, I was only grown. And I remember when she was having a bit of an, you know, she was in a very vulnerable point near the end, coming into the beginning of what became her new relationship later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when it came close to her leaving. And I reminded her, once again, because she had told me this throughout the years, a number of times in vulnerable times. And so I just reminded her of what she often told herself, which was those words of the reading. And she was like, right. I am not comfortable anymore. <laughs> did say, I wonder. And it sparked her simply enough to consider in her own mind if it was time. And what do you know, at a particularly vulnerable point for her, she did finally get it upon herself to leave my dad. And it was, well, well, I won't share all the details of her funny story. It was through a funny quirk of fate that it was very soon after that she ended up with the man who is now my stepdad. Mm -hmm. It's one of those absolute cute stories. Um, Maybe she visits and we'll. Hmm? Maybe she visits. We'll, we'll get you know, her to, to it, jump she, on the she has so much. Yeah, <laughs> she might visit this October. So, at that time, I think we would love to have her on a podcast. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, again, with my stepdad, like he is the perfect man for her in this point of her life, and as she said, she loves him. It's not that. That deep wild over the top you know romanticized type love that that many books have but she is so happy and she said you know she looks back on the best thing she can really say she's incredibly 
comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. And he finds the same. They are both very happy together. Mm-hmm. But it's not the kind of love that you and I share, for example. That soulmate connection of we, no matter what, are a part of each other. And the reason I'm bringing up this is just in, I mean, it's always nice for our listeners to have a bit of a personal story. Mm-hmm. But it brings me back to that point of that consideration of recording your readings and how readings can be quite surprising. You may battle the information because my mom never believed that early on, but somehow those words stuck to her. Yeah. My aunt has told me she and there's the same person. And this is how it wasn't a one off. She has never told me or anyone that I know of mm-hmm. what happened in her read with the palm reader. But she did tell me when she had a read with me, she told me what he did say happened he was incredibly talented and it was true so what 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 the details are i do not know but it was clear enough that it was true Mm -hmm. so reads can be life-changing um and and they're supposed to be i do want to point out that if you do take a video or recording of any sort of a read Check back on it. Now, I'm not saying, because we've also debunked, I mean, some readers don't have enough information. But even within that, generally, there's going to be some nuggets of truth there. And if you can really take into some of those, it can make a massive difference in your life. There is one other thing to add to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Every single read, when you are in the read itself, this is one of the biggest reasons why it's really important to record your sessions. You know, make sure that if it's not us, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, whoever is reading for you, make sure that you can record the session, right? A lot of readers are get, getting to that place now where they understand that this is a definitive thing from clients. It used to be that there are a lot of readers that would refuse that, you know, oh, no, you can't record it. And they give you some bullshit reason, but make sure that you record the read. Why? Because not only would you find those nuggets, but you don't hear everything in the read. I've never met ever a single person who's actually truly understood the read as it is. Because at the end of the day, you filter things out when you are under that, that level of informational overwhelm. Especially if it's like, a, you know, any, any read that has more than 10 cards, that, that shit's going to be tight. It's going to rock your world. With a good reader, a good reader could take five cards and completely demolish you. but because the cards are very volatile you know in terms of the amount of information that they represent especially contextually when it comes to any particular question a querent may have we call them querents right the person who is requesting the read so this is this is why it's also important to to have the recording so that after you've calmed down from the overwhelm of the read you can go back and actually listen in the privacy of your own mind. And later on, 
if you gain more knowledge, you may want to go back and see more details in that read because there are so many layers within it. The first read I ever did, I would have loved if I had even taken a picture of those cards to go back to. Mm -hmm. I did not know at that time because it was amazing. It was my first ever read for myself using somebody else's cards. It was mm -hmm. my first experience with cards. Mm -hmm. um, and it was profound. So I did have a thought. Now, I was thinking about how both, like how many readers will have issue with, well, not again, not as much now, but they may have issue with um, recording. I know we were hesitant for a brief time with it because one doesn't want this posted in some negative context all over social media. But I think there would be a simple fix. So both on both sides of the table, um, have a simple little thing drawn up saying, you know, I'm, I'm signing that I will not um, share this video in any mass, you know, mass form or mass media form without, you know, the reader's express permission. Boom. The, well, are you talking about the the querent or the reader? Well, protect it. I mean, it makes the reader feel better. And then the querent also, I mean, if the reader isn't even willing to sign something like that, then, you know, it's really rather I, odd, I would I, think. I, I think it's interesting that you, you, you would go that route. For me, it's very different because... I'm very direct in my preamble. Every time, every time a person sits down, you know, I, well, not every single time, if I'm being honest, but at some point during the read, if not before, I always make sure that the person understands that the nature of the read is navigational. So just like GPS, if you take your GPS and you plot your course to a destination, you still have a choice. You, you can choose the scenic route. The map gives you several scenic routes to get to where you're going. Or you could take the most efficient way that the map suggests. And again, not all maps are the same. The same thing applies for, uh, for cardomancy. Not all readers are the same. They're not going to see the same map. You know, I, I re recently had a, a, a very similar situation with that. You cannot compare readers. You cannot compare um, root workers. You cannot compare people who perform spells. Why? They don't all have the same map because there are too many factors involved with with that many people and it, simply simply because information is propagandized so if if that person is a believer they're fucked because they're just going to believe what it is they're doing and then they buy into something that's false it may even work simply because that's the nature of our mind what we observe we produce you know so the thing I want to think that I think could be clarified for listeners, um, because I know where your perspective is coming on based on 
your life and recent events is that when you're talking about you can't compare practitioners of any sort, um, you're specifically referring to the method they employ, the the fact that, you know, so-and-so started with a cup of tea and so-and-so didn't, things like that. Yeah, I, I get now, a lot what, of that. what is comparable is the attitude taken, like open, honest truth, trying to be as direct and precise as possible. Those, those parts are comparable. It's the mindset mm-hmm. that is comparable. That's true. The, the minute thing of so-and-so did a Celtic cross thing. Why are you spreading your cards like this? That won't work. That is well, not well, comparable. Well, I got a lot of that when we went out on the road. Exactly. So those details right. should not be compared because of exactly what you laid out. It's, it's a straight up, it, it, it's, a, it, it's the kind of expectation that is highly prejudiced. Because people judge based on, well, you didn't use a Celtic cross, or you didn't use a, and they, you know, they like to name drop shit. And and or know, they'll like, see the, you know, the death card and be like, well, somebody's going to die. Why aren't you telling who's going to die? And right. they'll get insistent, but it's because, well, this reader before told me that the death, that means somebody's going to die. Right. It could be a lack of knowledge. Like those parts of the methodology be yeah. open to, um, a little bit of differentiation there. Yes, as long as the mentality of, like I said, the mentality of the open, honest, true effort, et cetera. Differentiation as opposed to um, interpretation, Mm -hmm. right? Because if, if if you are taught properly as a, as a reader, the first thing that's going to be your friend is the law of correspondences. If you don't know the law of correspondences, then you need to buckle down and study that shit because that alone, like, I mean, for for our course, like, it's going to be crazy because when people are done doing our course, good good luck with them ever being wrong, (laughs) straight up. But, like, you have to know the law of correspondences because that's the thing that provides the the very essence of what the meanings of the cards are going to disseminate to you like you like you have to be able to understand that if you see a tree in the picture the card itself has a its own connotation but we are talking about contextual understanding you can't understand the context of what the tree means apart from the nature of the card unless you understand the correspondence of that card to the question that the person has asked. And that that differentiation is by far the most important thing, more than the interpretation. People usually just stick to the interpretation. That's why there are a lot of really bad reads. Yeah, even at nothing else, take a picture of the cards. If it's card reading, for example. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> I have so many of those in my phone. Oh, I... From everybody. I, I, it's pretty I, hilarious. I had to actually start files on my computer because it was getting bad. 
<laughs> it was getting um, just getting pretty bad. This seems to be turning into a bit of a about learning podcast, and I think it's so or episode of the podcast. I think it is so important because we often get asked, and I'm by often I mean over the years plus now, how can I start learning this? How can I start learning spirituality or magic? It's and I get it. It is confusing because I was there. I mean, goodness, you were there in a Trinidad bookshop, discreetly trying to pick out your couple of first books. <laughs> Anyone in this has, just about anybody in this has had that where do I start thing. So as far as where do you start, apart from the shameless you know, self-promotion here of we're working on courses, um, you know, our own services. You, Kale here has uh, several books available on Amazon. <laughs> Apart from those things, the thing to bear in mind when you're when you're learning is some key facets. Um, I do think the point you make about that law of correspondences is huge. If you're wanting to be a practitioner of any sort or expand your own capabilities because it is crucial and it can be really confusing to know where to start. Some argue start anywhere, which is true. Don't, in a sense, don't be daunted, but there are some, some very clear practices that I find very helpful to start with because they give you a great baseline with us. Naturally, the of correspondences. Personally, I loved the direction that Hermetics put me in, mm -hmm. particularly that by Franz Bardon. Mm -hmm. um, autogen, like if you have tra past trauma and such, autogenics, the practice of autogenics is truly incredible. And people would ar sometimes argue that's, that's not magic. It's like psychology. But these psychology is part of magic and spirituality. Is it not a part of anything and everything? So it is necessary because we are talking about your mind, your soul, your body, the whole thing. Psychology is in there. Um, stoicism is lovely. Like I'm currently, it's currently a bit of a passion project right now that I'm really interested in learning and have been doing so. And it's proven really lovely to learn about. If you have things such as this as your baseline, then when you approach some of the nitty gritty of, you know, this, this thing means this, this, you know, how to read tarot, how to do this, then you'll have a baseline for appropriately looking at the knowledge. Oh, I forgot the quadrivium and trivium books. Those ones, that's another huge baseline. It all gives you the baseline to approach your learning with the correct kind of a mindset that you want in a spiritual and magical sense. I mean, let's look at the monks. They do much like that. They have, you start with the how to learn before anything. Yep. You know, you stretch the body before into, you know, various positions before you start the the full um I don't know what it's called, but the full movie version of they call them <laughs> monk type stuff. Uh, you know, you start with quieting your mind before you try to levitate. Things like that. So the basis is there first. Uh, a lot of people, like so many, a lot of people have done this. I've had this a lot. 
they'll say, oh, I bought a book on Wicca. Oh my gosh, there are so many. They're There's all many, over, and there are many it is very contradictory. What you're going to get out of a book of Wicca, for example, typically is herb lore, some general spells and such, um, you know, bits about things like that from what I get, understand. I haven't done as much Wicca research as you, but that's kind of how they run. And while that's fun, if you don't have the baseline to know how to apply that, it's not going to be helpful. I'm not most, saying don't don't get a Wicca book, but start with these others. Most of the systems, including Wicca, only take the approach of almost surgical. Um, I don't think I know that term. Thurgy is basically the study of the foundational aspects before application. I have heard that term. So most of what I came across when I decided to branch out from the understanding of shamanism, from, from my Caribbean point of view, when I landed on Wicca, I thought that this was something that was an original source. And then as I studied, I realized mm, not so much because the the study of witchcraft is a blended study and most would never ever admit that so i began to to search out do some research and find out are there any original um formats of witchcraft that was authentic and, and i did burned right and i found one Right, there are men, there there are a few out there, but I found one that actually produced the the right effect, even though they followed the path of thirty, right, um, and that was Corellian Wicca, right. That actually almost became a high priest of Corellian. <laughs> it's pretty damn close, um, but everything that I studied in that first year course with with Corellian Wicca. When I look at when I look back at it now, it's a very profound system, and they they did it based on the right tenets. You know, where you had to practice the quiet of your mind, you had to understand who you are, as a person taking on the path, becoming a witch, becoming a person who is spiritually inclined, someone who can be unafraid to use magic to guide your life, right? So all of those things had to come into play. And the only reason that I stopped with the Karelian Wicca is because the, the material was written by um, the, the person it's named after. I can't remember her name now. Um, but it, it's based on her Is that name. the her, one where you've got the four large white books? Yes. Oh. Yeah, I have no idea where those books are right now. But anyway. Oh, no, they're out at... Um, oh, they're out at the they're farm? stored. Okay. Yeah, they're right. stored on the farm. Okay. So, um, yeah, those, those pieces of information that she talked about within the 3G, within that first year, 
is what led me to go find more information. That's how I ended up finding out about um, Madame Blavatsky. That's who. Right. But that, that no, that's different because the Karelian stuff I have is all printed stuff. It's not it's not published books. Oh, yeah. you talked about the those printed ones. You yes. brought all your printed ones. It's here somewhere then. Okay. Um, talking yeah. about the four printed white books. I got onto Blavatsky simply because of what uh, what the Karelian thirgy spoke on. That's interesting. I thought you got into Blavatsky through Hermetics and what mm, Franz Bardon would say. Nope. But that was how I remembered it. Nope. Wow. And here's why. Because while I was studying Karelia Wicca, um, my cousin there, she was at the university and I asked her about it. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I could get you in. <laughs> I still don't know how the hell we got past security. <laughs> because you can't get in without, you know. Being, Student ID. Yeah, exactly. Right? So. And you found she, what you were looking for and then she managed got, to buy the books. She got me in. And I started looking for the books because that particular university had an original hard copy, the whole set. Original? Original hard copy, the whole set. But it was under the restricted section, so you can't take it out. So when I saw the book, and I, I, I just about freaking lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, this book is actually real. She was not bullshitting. This, ah, <laughs> losing my <laughs> shit. So then when I left there, I was on the path to, to find the book, which I couldn't find the book because, again, I had limited internet access. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how to find books. So I never really searched it out for quite a number of years until after um, I began studying Franz Bardon. That's when I was able to actually go get the book. Okay. So I knew about the book before and had read some of the pages before. And even when I got, because um, I got the whole set, I found the whole set at, at um, what was it? I think it was Indigo. For whatever strange reason, Indigo had her entire works. That's why I, I bought thought you the, ordered it. No? I can't even remember. It was either Indigo or, or um, Amazon. I th no, I thought you told me you ordered it through Indigo. Yes, that's right. That is right. And they were able to get both both sets. Right. Right? So that's that's how I acquired those. And I still haven't read the whole thing yet. That's how detailed her stuff is. But I know that, I, that at the time I got it, I wasn't ready for that level of information. And that's something that may be an interesting note to anyone beginning sometimes there is information that you just don't feel quite ready for don't discount it because you're not ready for it and definitely don't give the book away right <laughs> just figure out what you need to learn first to get you more into that mindset or what you need to kind of back up being ready for it the knowledge is out there i know our approach is different than many practitioners because, as you put it best, you're not a believer. No. I'm more prone to belief, which balances us out nicely because we can bounce things off each other really well. 
Uh, and I'm not saying that's my, well, it is my MO, but I, <laughs> I fight against it. I work hard not to indulge in that MO. Uh-huh. Because when you can understand the real nature of it, uh, sci-fi does this all the time. They're always providing fascinating things like, whoa, that could be real. No, these things are magic and spirituality. Magic is only a term. Uh, I mean, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Magic is just that which science has not yet explained. And we still refer to it as magic, yet the science is there for massive amounts of what we've got. Magic is me theorizing without scientific backup. Most of the information you and I go through has scientific backup. Segue on that note. Do you know about the quantum computer that was built? A quantum computer? Yeah. No, I don't think I've heard of that. Yeah, so normal computers store information in bits, like zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. A quantum computer stores information in qubits. So every qubit is like its own computer. And so the calculations that are available to be, you know, um, mathed mm-hmm. is exponentially greater. So they, they and they haven't they haven't reached the limit with it yet. The most the most recent thing that they did is create, um, what's it called now? <sighs> oh my God! Let me just I'm gonna jump on real quick here. Find the research for it. Oh, I, I don't need the research. I already did that, that part. <laughs> or, I mean, find a piece of research that you're looking for with the name. Well, I posted it. I had, I'd actually posted it on my Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Let's hang on one second. It is in my Facebook. Ah, there we go. And my posts. He's almost there. Bada boom, bada bing. Yeah, there we go. So the most recent development that they did is create what are called time crystals. Oh my gosh, that's like a sci-fi level event. Yes. What? Yes. So I actually posted this on on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. So many sci-fi people talk about using crystals. Yes. Is that where that they it made, stems in quantum? They made tech? the time crystals. They made the computer, the quantum computer, build its own time crystals so that the quantum computer has a way to store information. Interesting. <laughs> like they went there. Who did this? Like was it a university or a group? Yes. But the the girl that that does these these YouTubes, um, she is a like physics PhD. So and she actually actually works as a physicist. Like she's not just like you know like somebody who's you know did just went to school for it. Like she actually works in the industry. So she was even surprised that she didn't see this group of white papers that had been published 
And it's like, it's not something real. Okay, so here's, here's why this is mind-boggling. In physics, you may start something and it would take about 100 years to, to have the, the theoretical part proven. And mm-hmm. then they have to do experiments. So you will, generally speaking in physics, you will never see your work come to fruition. Uh, that's something that's known. This is where we have apprentices come in, isn't it? Right. So now with this, what has made this um, development so powerful is that the guy who had the epiphany to build these time crystals to right now in our present moment, mm-hmm. where they've solved building time crystals, it only took 10 years. What? Yep. Like, that's a whole new level that we've come to. Right. So this is why it's mind-boggling. To, to her, it was mind-boggling that, you know, they just, they're like, just, she's like, wait, what? <laughs> How did I not know about this? <laughs> yeah. These guys done built that system already. Wow. And I'm, that's, I'm, that's massive for the entire. For, yeah, for the field of physics, oh. that is unheard of entire of humanity when you think about it yes if we are developing things at that level now yeah but just and, think what and this is specific developing. to physics because right. physics is like that right physics deals with all the quantum yes items. physics ha- deals with the actual nature of things and the mechanical functions like why does something function the f- figuring that shit out is, is no easy task the math behind it alone will fucking drive you batshit crazy I think we've spoken a bit about this in season one, but for anyone who hasn't listened to everything, um, since we're talking about quantum physics, I'd like to point something out, not in massive detail, but since we are talking about learning, uh, people tend to hear the term quantum or quantum physics and just get overwhelmed. But to break it down in the simplest thing, quantum physics is all about understanding the universe around us, which is exactly what we're trying to do as a goal in spirituality. The goals are much the same. The information, like the re- the re- when people say the research is out there for very spiritual things. They're not lying. They aren't. <laughs> and much of it is in quantum physics. For example, the telepathic connection is explained through quantum physics. Big time. So... You know, what, it's even, not that we're t- talking about things that are outside of anything you've ever heard. This is where the depths of the research is. Even, I would uh, hold. Because I'm re- this. Just give me one second. All right. If you had told me 15 years, and well, let's not go 15 years ago. Let's say 12 or 13 years ago. If you had told me that I would find myself recreationally researching quantum physics. I'd have laughed. I'd have said, I just had to drop out of university because my body won't keep up with like, like I'm, I'm losing my mind or something. I, I just dropped out of university and managed to just get a vocational thing here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to ever study quantum physics. And here it's in the simplest place. Just learning about the true nature of myself and that around me. Just for our listeners. I mean, if if this sounds super overwhelming, just don't don't stress yourself out about it. If you can understand something as simple as entanglement, 
explain that one for us. You're about you're about a quarter of the way there. Now explain how simple that that concept is at its simplest. The way that I see entanglement is this. Oh God, I just thought about this because <laughs> this was the word being thrown around with like like uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Right? Okay. Because she she went out there and said, well, she was in a, she was in an entanglement. Why there was three of them? You know, okay. She, she, you know, there was her and two lovers. You know, it was like she loves her husband, but <laughs> she wasn't yes, in, in an entanglement. Reminded of that with with the term, right? All right. So let's just take it at that grassroots level. There are a lot of connotations and a lot of interpretations that could be used for what she didn't want to say, right? From even from a psychological point of view of what she was using as kind of like a publicist fed, you know, script in the public, I was in an entanglement. And most people would generally be like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, it means that she put enough emotional context into the connection that she had with whoever that guy was that she painted herself into a filter corner where she could not get out from under the powerful emotions that she developed like she is fully responsible for developing those emotions And then she filtered herself that I can't live without this. And it's a big part of it. Like most, most people don't understand that that is exactly how powerful your mind is. I understood the basic of like, if I were to explain the basic entanglement to the best that I could, I would explain it much as the way everything is related to one another. Like when I've explained it in the most elementary terms, it's like our body, you know, we, you know, people generally can connect that, you know, if our feet, our bare feet were connected to the ground, you know, if you follow the ground long enough, you'll meet up with another person, you're there. And every single iota of our existence has that capability connected somewhere. Yeah, but it's not just it's not so just that, the connection I've, though. And that's how I've explained it the most elementary myself. Right. So but I'll if tell, you could go I'll, further. I'll tell you what, what would be missing from that. It isn't just about going somewhere and having a happenstance connection. That doesn't create that doesn't create entanglement. Entanglement has to be very involved in that both both parties have the same opportunity to do to either connect or disconnect that you have to have both opportunities for that to go either way so for example you meet a guy you you get that sense that you like this person because they're putting out a vibe you don't have any factual proof at that point unless there's a conversation that you could deduce, okay, this guy's pretty smart. I'm feeling that vibe of smart come off of him. Are you attracted to smart? 
Because if you are not attracted to smart, then you, that's not a filter for you. You go to the next filter, there, which we have seen. There are girls who, if that guy doesn't rock a six-pack, they don't give a shit about anything else. He could be the most intelligent person on the planet and be completely well and able to take care of them and to uplift them as a person. They won't give a shit because he ain't got a six-pack. There's that, and we all call that shallow. You know what I mean? Because there's so much more to a person than just having a six-pack. There's so much more to a person than just being a good-looking model. You know, like all of those things. So you got to be able to, to, to see it. Like entanglement is truly about equal opportunity to connect or disconnect. And if both people choose to disconnect, then the opportunity for entanglement was acknowledged but denied. If they both decide, I don't know what it is about you, I can't live without you. When you put that filter in place, that is a solid connected entanglement. It literally means that both of your emotions are now not just running parallel, that you're running as a harmonic sine wave, like a harmonic binary sine wave. And you're locked in, like you are locked into a toroidal. Like both of you are traveling in the same direction and you're basically spinning, right? This is the reason why there's so many women that, I want him back, I want my ex back. And the majority of them will never, ever admit the truth of it. They don't want him back. That's why they left in the first place. They felt that that entanglement no longer satisfied the filter that they put up in order to have him in their life. But he gave good dick. Or he was great at cunnilingus. So when they disentangle themselves or from something him. else similar it's usually those are, those are the top two those are i don't care what anybody else says those are the two fucking top of the list why they want him back because when you when you listen to the story they tell you about the relationship usually the guy's a little bit of a dick and they're being a little bit of a, you know, selfish, prissy bitch. <laughs> like these are, it's, it, it's not wrong to say it because there's, these are the things that happen. So you leave that thinking, okay, I'm just going to go over here and get something better. All right. You, you go, you experience that there are other guys out there who actually would treat you worse. So now you want your ex back. You know what I mean? Like, that that longing shows that they, whoever it is, either guy or girl, did not completely disentangle themselves. What they did was go out and they had to verify. And there's so many better ways to verify the truth of a relationship than to be a dick to the person 
just to get them out of your life. And then six months later, I miss him. I want him back. And then you won't even admit, you know, the fact of the matter is I enjoyed sex with that person. I enjoyed that person's intimacy. Because what you left them for, it's not working for you. But whether it's guy or girl, they're not at that place where they could truly just admit that in a raw fashion. And that's one of that's one of the issues of entanglement. Like entanglement is not wrong, but the filters that we put ahead of ourselves, that's what makes the entanglement an issue. Like because if, if you put that filter up, then that's exactly what you're gonna do. So both guys and girls end up in abusive relationships as a pattern because they won't break those filters. The moment you break those filters, the pattern stops. And it's an it's very immediate. And the, the, you know, it's it's a thing that most people don't really realize. That's how powerful our mind is. But the second that you stop using those filters with those kind of expectations, the program stops and you're able to see. You're able to have true vision to see what you want you know what kind of person do you want to be and how are you going to uh, i don't want to use adjudicate that sounds a little bit harsh but you, you have to be you have to be open and be very volatile about making sure that you only accept people in your life that are going to inspire you to contribute to their life and that they are inspired by you to contribute to yours. That's good entanglement. Right. And that's, that's only the tip of the iceberg as it comes to entanglement. But I mean, here we are talking about some of the, you know, basic interpretive principles of quantum, one of the quantum mechanics concepts of entanglement, like spirituality, Science, they go hand in hand. Quite so. Um, and I think that's crucial to remember when you, again, you were speaking about propaganda. There's so much misinformation and interpretation of information that should not even be interpreted. And it's all based on emotional aspects, which is important to realize because... I, I believe on the whole, what we're coming into as an age is learning to enhance our capabilities in regards to emotion and such. Um, like um, Star Trek, mm-hmm. the Vulcans, right? Yeah. Learning to control their emotions. And I'm not saying that we have to be cold, but to understand in depth is important when you think about it. We're past survival. We've come through the whole industrial age. Our technology is advancing. Don't it know seems how the natural. Fuck we did that one. <laughs> but it seems natural that uh, we watched a movie recently. Oh, who did it have in it now? Oh, darn! But they talked. To, they came to this, right? Do you remember the one where they were in the made-up world to understand hardship because they had no hardship? 
Yeah, that was with Summer Hayek. Yeah, Summer Hayek and uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of the movie either, but they raised a good point there that I believe is quite pertinent. As we get to the point where these need, like some of these simple needs are not as necessary, like as a society, I'm not saying, I mean, (laughs) we're right here struggling with others going, all right, we still got to pay rent and things like that. But the, the point that we're, we're getting to is there's a little less of that now than say, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, you know, more, more majority are more comfortable. I mean, hundreds of years ago, people were not about to, I mean, people had to struggle to, to afford things, you know, luxuries like, um, fabric for clothes and like sewing needles you gotta and go ribbons, deeper than that, babe. you know, there were bread lines, right? And like there were physical bread lines that did, you walk up, you get a ration of bread. Like our struggles have changed. I don't, so, I, that's what I'm saying. Like I, when I watch and read some of the historical facts, I still have no fucking clue how we made it out of the industrial age. Like it, it, we, it, we shouldn't be here. The humanity should not be here. Just looking at the that revolution alone, like we shouldn't be here as a species. The point it's I'm, fucked up. It's fucked up what is, happened. Even if we go back looking at that time, like industrial age, the beginnings of that and such, and you're looking at anything magical, I mean, it was complete witchcraft, burn at the stake and such. Um, well, there no, were so no. many more. That, the, the, well, the, yeah, I know that was before, but it was still yeah, very... Yeah. The Industrial Revolution demonized. helped to stop that. And it, here's, here's it was why. still very demonized. You have to admit, most of society still had a very demonized. A little bit. But this is where the classics came from. This is where, like, the Lenormand cards came from. Because the, the lady, I can't remember her name now, but she who made the Lenormand a lot more popular that people follow, right? Mm, I'm um, thinking Marie... Um, yeah, well, I can't remember her last name, but Lenormand, I think. Yes, I think her man name was I Madame was, Lenormand. Yeah, something like that. Right. Um, her her setup, the way that she had her setup going, is that you would go to her house, but you would never know where she was, because you had to the the assistant would take you around the corner. And there would be a room in a wall, right? This is this is why they, you know, the allure of having to go to a place to get a reading from someone that you heard was like pure badass at what they're doing, and then you go and there's nothing there. So whenever the because the cops would always just show up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to try to crack down on her, and. They couldn't find it. They would never find the room. It's like a hundred years later, and then they realize, oh yeah, <laughs> she had a little, she had a little court and room, and you know, a secret door in the wall, where the person would then you know be guided into that room, and they would never ever leave the same way that they came. So, even if you were another client sitting out there, you would never see clients leave. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucking brilliant, you know what I mean? But so, so that the, the it point, made it better. The point I'm making here is 
that the struggles from that time have certainly changed. And with that, um, less, I believe that the lessening of the survival thing has really brought in a major um, thrust forward into more emotional, spiritual type aspects, relationships, all of these things. Um, because we have, for lack of a better way to put it, we have the free time per se to do so. We're not struggling on the farm 14 hours a day to survive off of a loaf of bread a day, you know? So, but a, the point I'm making here is that this is how, from what I understand from all our channeling, scrying, is that that is how a race progresses. And certainly sci-fi like, gets into this as well. The more you grow with those things, the next level of thing. And we're getting into the point now where learning our emotional control is huge. I mean, we teach it to toddlers here. Do you think people taught toddlers emotional control <laughs> a couple hundred years ago? Gentle parenting or anything? There was not time for that. So Learn or die. <laughs> that boy, get your ass over here or else I leave your damn ass to the lions straight up. Like You know, like. Keep up or fuck up. Like, <laughs> so it is a change in, in perspective. Um, and with that, we are learning how, how to learn, how to deal with our own emotions. It's a, it's a up and coming thing. And by up and coming, I mean, only in the last couple of hundred years has it really been, you know, or so, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm an expert to know the exact timeline, but approximately in the last couple hundred years or so, that has become more prevalent to actually look at emotions beyond, you know, general senses of comfort, where we actually have the luxury that's the word. Like we have the luxury to progress our emotional states of being. As we progress our emotional states of being, we can then progress our our spirits, progress our minds, progress it all. Like look at our physical bodies, our our ability to stay alive long enough to live longer is getting better. Everything progresses, and we're getting into a real point of major learning over the last i believe from what i understand the early 90s was when there was a major resurgence of spirituality starting to come up i think it was, was slightly before that before that yeah it might have been with the 60s actually that it started up um if i'm correct it would it would have actually been in the 50s and mm. it would have gotten exponential in the 60s and then moved all the way up to um going full blown out of control in the 80s because that's when you had the rock bands that were all about it okay there were several rockers who openly you know admitted to practicing the rules and laws of magic and satanism and you know a whole bunch of other stuff in there too and Crowley was pretty big back then, too, in terms of, you know, an author that people followed. Mm -hmm. You know, even even when I was growing up and experiencing all of those um, uh, demon possession ex exorcisms, right? Even back then, you know, 
I experienced a couple of, you know, pastor's kids talking about Crowley. It was pretty fucked up because the one, I remember clearly the one kid, um, he straight up always said that he was the mark of the beast. And he, he talked about reading Crowley's work. None of us knew where the fuck you would get that kind of information from. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like how the hell are you? But then again, these were books that were already in universities because it had to be in some way exposed for the purpose of research and study. Right? <laughs> Especially with, with the Christian church back then, the only persons who really had any kind of authority on possessions was the Catholic Church. Like, there was a string of possessions for about five years throughout the Caribbean where people, the, the level of demon activity where people were just getting possessed straight up, Christian or not, believer or not, would just like, boom, possession, straight up. Like, the entire Caribbean was mobilized during that time. Because nobody really understood what the, like, how the fuck is this happening? You know, even people who were taught, who were thought to be, you know, upstanding Christians. And, you know, some of them I knew, like, really good people. You know what I mean? Like, not just that front. Like, they were actually good Christian people. Just, just fucking get possessed. Watch them right in front of your eyes. Like, their eyes within seconds turn bloodshot and they start, you know throwing you know 100 pound you know 200 pound church pews solid wood pews across the fucking church like <laughs> those are the things those are the things that i witnessed as a kid like you know the, in the church in the fucking church like like <laughs> uh, back to the as i know you tend to steer me a little correct i tend to be a little long-winded and don't make my points quite the same way you do mm-hmm. Uh, the point I'm trying to get at is with this increase of accessibility and um, that free time, there is a responsibility as an individual to learn some of this. And the vision I see, it's <laughs> its very much, in my mind, it's very much like what the movie The Last Mimsy had. And in that mm, movie... right. Right. The teacher, like the beginning of it, the teacher comes, comes along the kids. They all come flying into a meadow and basically their learning is the story time of how their beginning was. It's not like desks and things like we have now. And the premise I have with this concept is we have to be on a growth pattern similar to that. We have to like once we've we've established as far as we have on these things, yes, they'll continue to grow. Technological advances will continue to happen. We'll logically at some point, hopefully figure out some more about how to actually feed everybody because certainly it can be done. So hopefully at some point, you know, we start getting past some of those moral and political issues so that we get that accomplished. Ambivalent issues. Right, so that's a growth. But here comes um, spirituality in general. Most of it has been, you know, singular major religions based on culture, and we're turning into more of a spiritual set of people. And there's actual evidence based on this. Like, for example, um, here living in Canada, it's been primarily Christianity, Um, whether that be 
you know, Catholicism or other Christianity, that's been the primary because that's what's been shoved. I mean, let's face it, Catholicism was shoved down the natives' throats like there's no tomorrow. Aboriginal. Literally. Hmm? Aboriginal. Yeah. Aboriginal people. Yeah. Did I not say natives? Yeah. New term is Aboriginal people. Oh. Or First Nations. I'm sorry. I think native because I'm like they're native to the land. I know. I know what you okay. mean. Okay. I know what you mean. I'm just, I'm saying it because we're. Oh man, I haven't kept up enough. I didn't know that on. that was now. Cons- is that considered politically incorrect now? Yes. Oh man, I didn't catch that. I was just thinking of the defin- like literal definition. Look, I'm I'm oh, horrible. Man. I'm horrible with the with the ones that you remember. I still only even when, even now I I still catch myself. I'll just say LGBTQ, and that's it. I don't go into the other letters. I don't go because that's well. What, this is this is one of the things that does you know, happen with the technological age. Things are changing so fast. Like I completely missed this update. So okay, it's been it's been a few years now too. So like, <laughs> be know. clear, I do be in the Aboriginal. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just did not know that know that has that. I, changed. I, I'm fully aware of that. That's like when I say, yes, I have Aspergers, and people are like it's not Aspergers. I'm like, right, it's changed. Pardon me. Yeah. Pardon me. And then see, <laughs> they they shifted it from from Aboriginal to First Nations people. Okay. Peoples, so no. First Nations is the most up-to-date that's, term to that's use. That's the most Good to know. Um, well, the point I'm making is, like that, that was the primary there, but now when you consider how many people are actually practicing Catholics or Catholics in general, mm-hmm. the percentages have gone way down. People are interested mm-hmm. in spirituality because it offers greater growth. And that is where we have... As, a, as humans, kind of a moral obligation is to grow. We are designed to grow. The one that I've, I feel most sad about is the Philippines. Because the, the magic of that place, like I'm talking about like the actual practice of magic of the Philippines, mm-hmm. is such, it's really powerful systems. And they, I think, have been... They they are here. Yeah. It's been stomped right out. Like it's been stomped out to the point where I know a lot of Filipino people who are like deathly afraid of the of the magic of the land. I have a thought here. Um, if I'm remembering research at all correctly, mm. which I may or may not, mm. uh, Lumeria, the original Lumeria, was it not? Near the Philippines, estimated? Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. Okay, so I thought that might contribute to the magic, then I'm not thinking that correctly. Mm-mm. Okay. Scratch that. Well, not not from a from a not from an official point of view. Okay. And then even even from the research that, that I've come across, it still doesn't it it, it was it considered like at it. one point, but it's not it's not. Okay, so that's not a relevant potential source for the no, power of the land. No, it was something else. Okay. No, because there were several. Yeah, there were several beings. Very right? stomped out. So yeah. there were several beings that were responsible for different peoples in the world in terms of magic distribution. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, is where we get into magic, by the way, is because not all of this is fully scientific based. It's only nuggets of it that are. Yeah. And this I, is where we do get into magic I because think, not scientifically based I think, entirely I think, yet. Yeah. I think if you if you want like a movie reference for that, um, that movie with universal language. Oh, man. I know the one you're talking about. Oh, the aliens come. Arrival. And- Arri- yes, arrival. arrival. Right? If you, you want to get like a good metaphor, a useful metaphor for what we're talking about just in this context, like go watch that show, Arrival. I think it is on, if, I think if you have US Netflix, it's there. Um, I, don't, I haven't seen it on Did we watch on it on Canadian. Prime? I thought we yeah, watched we, it on Prime. We, we watched it on Prime. Um, so I know it's definitely on Prime. But yeah, like Arrival is a really... Apart from the other stuff that's going on in Arrival that is quite relevant, um, it's a really good metaphor for this to understand the distribution of magic from those who are considered to be like a council of gods. You know what I mean? The, 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 the council of gods and spiritual... And this, this has nothing to do with what people considered to be the ascended masters right the ascended masters are completely different from what i'm talking about the the bible actually talks about that council of gods when it talks in the book of job about you know and the sons and daughters of god came together you know is basically a god meeting (laughs) that that's what that was about and and you know God was trying to show off. Hey, check out my main man Job over there. He's got this. He's got this. <laughs> <laughs> you remember in, in, the, in that that Bible study we went to, right? That's mm-hmm. why I said, you know, the guy asked like, you know, what uh, what I think about it is like, man, God should just shut the fuck up. Like he should have not just gone in there and be like touting. Yeah, my main man Job. That's that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> like he's the he, most devout. He's the most <laughs> devout. He understands me. We have a good relationship. Like if he just shut the fuck up and stop wilding out, then Job would have never gotten into all of that bullshit. Losing everything. Like he would never gotten into that bullshit. That's an interesting perspective when you think about it in a macrocosm sense like that. Well, it's like a movie, right? When you look at it, when you look at how movies are created, if the one character just didn't go down that road, the movie would have been over in five minutes. We'd been, oh wow, that, that was a that was a great movie. He made the right choice. Okay, we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> but now you got to spend two and a half fucking hours because he's made a dumb choice. It reminds me of social media, um, in that. When have we in our entire history ever be subject to so many highlights of so many people's lives in such a fast fashion? It is bizarre. Like, usually when you're posting on any kind of media, it's, yeah, I mean, yes, now we've got, I think you're talking about the learning section of TikTok that I wasn't really aware of. But when you think about things like Facebook and such, you're posting, like, births, deaths, graduations and such. We're just highlight reeling all of this. And never have we been so... It's never been that accessible. I, you've never been able to just have 100 
or 200 or <laughs> more like a thousand people see, oh, this day sucks. Yeah, you know, I and we're seeing never... we've never before in our lives heard 500 people in a day saying, oh, this day sucks. Look at me graduating. Look, we've never had so many ups and downs. So in our emotional speaking of history, terms, right? speaking of terms that, you know, kind of go past you. There's one that still I it, I still have no fucking clue what it means. And even if I was told, I don't remember what the fuck is SMH shaking my head. Oh, for the love of God. Exactly what you're doing right now. You are literally doing SMH right now. Fucking hell. That thing just goes right past me. It has gone right past me for... uh, I I can't even tell you how long. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, of course, you know, fuck my life. That makes sense. Okay, good. FML. Great. SMH, SMH. I'm thinking, what the fuck is SMH? Shaking my head. Like, it's just, there's an emoji for that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So for me, yeah, it's like... Yeah, so an acronym and an emoji. Well, like, why why would you use the acronym when there's an emoji for that? Because like, there didn't used to be an emoji. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a lot more emoji um, conscious than most people my age. I'm definitely a lot more emoji conscious than most people my age, but you know what I mean? So for me, it's like, why would you not just use an emoji to just, because now I know you're shaking your head, you know, I use the one with the guy, you know, just has his, his hand over his head, which is the same thing. It's like, Oh my God. really? But similar to the way social media has that incredible influx of emotional states that we're being subjected to likewise with the information age we have a serious influx of information that we're being subjected to and that also encourage us to display information of our own whether or not we're experts and that is where it really does become such an incredibly important facet to ensure that you learn well. The information is out there. Like you can learn basically anything for free these days. But you have to make sure that you're learning it correctly. And that's where serious responsibility comes in when it comes to true magical and or spiritual growth is getting the right research, learning it properly, doing the work. People will hear of a meditation but never do it. Or they'll do it once and never repeat. Get that a lot. Exactly. So the information is there, but don't let it be a passing phase. Like, are you going to remember all the inf- Like, if you had to be on a desert island suddenly and you wanted to do this, it's not going to be possible unless it's in your head. Get the information in your head. Straight up. I mean, learn, me- learn information, memorize and cherish good information so find the good information first and then learn it cherish it use it that is how you're respectful to information and that is where true growth comes in is having more and more information of great the the great stuff in your mind the challenge there has always been within the last 20 years at least the challenge has always been knowing what information is good because of the amount of propaganda and bullshit that Mm -hmm. is spread 
simply because there is so much information. So it's it's sort of left to the querent, right? The person seeking the knowledge to test that knowledge. And as you test the knowledge, the subjective experience that you acquire is then yours. And you can build some wisdom off of that. Because by the time you do your first ritual, you should have already. And this is this is why I say, like, you know, the study of Wicca does it in reverse, right? They teach you the third G, but not with the practical. In like the traditional ways to do mm-hmm. it was always with third G as opposed to, you know, how Hermetics does it with a three-pronged approach. Well, Franz Bardon specifically takes a three-pronged approach. Absolutely. He said he, he did say he was like he is a pioneer in doing that. He was the first to I'm do sure it. I'm sure there may be more writing new books now, but he was the first to take that kind of an approach, which we've all heard, you know, mind, body, and soul uh, to some extent, some variation, and he takes it very much like that, yep. that approach. And it is true in any kind of a growth and learning well, well, is to true, take that approach. True, so true growth think, learning must be balanced. It, like it has to have balance in it. So, I mean, for me, that's the only thing that I would say needs to improve. Um, who's actually doing that is um, uh, Northwich Co. With their new, their new uh, witch program. Okay. We're doing it too, though. Yeah, just to remind people, we are. We we do balance, but the way I'm saying, like specifically for witchcraft, okay, like the course that that he's got going for witchcraft takes that approach that it has to be practical along with thirty, right? So yeah, like that's why I'm mentioning because it's just like for for what he does, um, I have not seen anybody else really do that. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't other courses out there that do that but from what i have seen him do he takes that exact approach that there has to be a high degree of practicality um in doing the thirty in understanding the thirty right so and i mean i've i've taken you know people through whenever i've done um my workshops it's a practical workshop it's 5 hours but it's a practical workshop be damned if you don't do magic by the time you're done. <laughs> you know, you're going to see some magic in that in that workshop straight up. Oh. So. Um, since we'll you'll be posting this soon, um, independent, dependence on who is where, but I thought I'd throw it in here. If you've got on this far and you actually want to see us in a public setting, we do have one engagement that we still take on. Um, so you'll, we are available August 13th in Vancouver, and that is the Canadian Vancouver <laughs> <laughs> at the Pagan Pride Festival. That's at, uh, well, it's in the John Hendry Park. Yeah, it is the John Hendry Park. Um, so that is a one-day event. So if you if you listen this far and you are in the area and or want to make a trip, you can actually find us and many others. There yeah, at that we actually we we, we actually festival. invited a. If anybody we, wants to get out of their quarantine phase and get yeah. out to something, we invited a, a friend of ours to to come share a booth with us, um, White Dragon Terror, yes. and she she has a lot of great stuff. Oh, on, she's been a on student TikTok of yours, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So that'll be fun. Um, we'll probably start wrapping it up here, but I think the parting words here is that learning, like, there's so many parting words I want to go with. Let me think. As a beginner and knowing where to start, we do, like, like I said, we do have some of those recommendations. You've talked about the third G with, mm-hmm. like, and we've talked about the hermetics and the law of correspondences. Trivium, quadrivium. The trivium, quadrivium are great books to have. Those are great places to start to gain a full-bodied understanding about how to understand. Oh, stoicism. Mm-hmm. I forget those. Those are just a few of the ones. There's autogenics. Mm-hmm. It's been helping me a lot lately. Um, there is a there's an autogenic and, sequence in I think it's the last one of the bonus material that we have on our on our podcast channel. So I think there are six meditations there, and they're still like publicly accessible. So um, our first season is behind the paywall now. So if you missed out, you know, do us a really good favor and just subscribe. It's not that it's not that expensive. How much is it? I don't even remember. It's less than less than ten bucks. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and and it's priced that way just because we're we're gonna be doing some really interesting things for, for season three. So we're gonna really get into nitty gritty for season three. And just you know, before you give us our parting words, so um <clears throat> to kind of close out this season. We're going to take on another big taboo subject and we're going to put it in parts. So this is the first time we're actually going to do this in our podcast series. We're going to let you know what we're going to talk about (laughs) for the next (laughs) Yeah, we are going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about various types of trauma and the living magic way of approaching forms of resolution for trauma. We have always dealt with it within ourselves and within our clients. And we kind of decided the other day, you know, maybe we really should talk about this because it's kind of getting bad out there and people and need to... it's becoming such a fad word. Yes, it's, it's becoming that, that hook fad let's make a million dollars off of people's pain bullshit. And so we're not throwing our hat in the, in the ring. We're throwing down the fucking gauntlet on this. <laughs> we're going to let you know what our tools have been for the people that we have had success with. And full disclosure, like we have not had a hundred percent success with a lot of people simply because of the nature of trauma. Which we, we'll talk about we, we go, detail. We're going to talk about those things too, right? We're going to let you know. But we have found surefire ways yeah. to get there if you're willing to put in the effort. And that's that's a big part of it. So we, th- that's how we're going to close out the season um, from the next the next recorded podcast. Is the trauma. We're going to start on that trauma and our... Our goal with that is by the end of this season, you are going to have enough tools to hold your trauma, choke that bitch out, (laughs) and kick it to the curb. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I know. I go violent sometimes, but we are we are sick and tired of hearing this thing for holding space for it. it, it I'm going to get started with that right now. But anyway, we're going to give you actual real-life practical tools on what we have seen work with clients. We're going to show you and talk about the things that didn't work and the reasons why, what our realizations were through that process so that you, the listener, can at least have a good footing to start actualizing, freeing yourself from trauma, right? So that, that'll, that'll be the next thing that we are going to talk about for you guys. Well, that might be it. Yeah. I mean, the learning thing is, I mean, tell you what, I'll close out with a couple book recommendations. Cool. Uh, so Trivium, Quadrivium, they are just by that title. There are multiple authors within it. So just typing that in, will bring them up. The series that we have mm-hmm. is, is by um, the board books. Okay. That's, that's, the, that's the publisher for it. All right. And then... Um, Initiation into Hermetics by Franz Bardon. Big, My big title. Is big a title. personal favorite for both of us. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've got for recommendations. Do you have any others that you'd recommend? Like as a more earlier, like as an earlier learning or fundamental book? If you just want to get to the nitty gritty of really how to, how to practice magic, there's... Only one that I would recommend because this is, has been this was the book that kicked it off for me, and it's called Magic for Beginners by J. H. Brennan. You know, right. not a lot of his. I don't really like a lot of his stuff, but that's the book that allowed me to be able to materialize a hundred dollar bill, which is the reason why I bought the book <laughs> at the time. It was like, oh. Okay, well, I mean, if I did that, then, you know, I, there might be some I might look into. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it shocked the shit out of me. But even more important than the $100 bill spell is that it helped me to get rid of my trauma. And I had nasty, nasty trauma when I bought that book. Uh, and I know I, I talked about it in season one, you know, so yeah. that would be the only other book that I would add to that list. All right. Well, then we'll catch you all on the other side. We'll see you next episode. Join us for our discussions about trauma. Love you guys. Talk to you next time. <laughs>